شهد الله أنه لا إله إلا هو والملائكة والملائكة وأولو العلم قائما بالقسط لا إله إلا هو العزيز الحكيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين صلى الله وسلم وبارك على عبده ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين ما بعد. So the last chapter in Kitab al-Tahara in the in the portion of fiqh which is to do with purification is فصل في الحيض والنفاس والاستحاضة. Speaking about the types of blood that comes out of the woman's private part and the reason for that is because Tahara being pure is because these three things or these Two of these three things, or the blood that comes out, they are reasons for a woman to not be able to pray, and she's not pure in these situations. So in that case, so because of that, we need to know the rulings that are connected to them. And then at the end, he mentions uh, certain other rulings that are similar to it. Like in, that's the point of this chapter here. So the author he says, "Fasulun fil haydi wa nifasi wa al-istihada." Speaking about haid, the three. So this is "Wajhruju min al-farji thalathatu dima." There's three types of blood. That comes out of the private part of the woman, and it's important for men to know. Men to know because you guys are going to be, you guys are ch- children of mothers. You guys are going to be husbands, inshallah. We might have, be, have sisters. We may need to ask these questions. So it's important to have this knowledge. And uh, some of the scholars they said that this is from the hardest chapters of Tahara, especially for the for the men, because they don't they don't get hate themselves. The men don't get the menstrual cycle. And they said Imam Ahmed it took him eight years to master this chapter. He said eight years. When we say master this chapter, it's not like mastering what we consider to be mastering. We mean a higher, higher level of it. That's what he means when he said eight years. Obviously, um, he knew the ba- everything else, of course. So it's an important chapter for everyone to learn. So he says, as for Al-Hayd, uh, so he said that the, thing, the blood that comes out of the private part are three types of blood. Number one, Damul Hayd. Which is the blood of menstru- the menstrual cycle, the period. Number two is wadamun nifas, the blood of postnatal bleeding. And nifas is postnatal bleeding. It's translation in English. But what it is is for people who don't know, is the blood that comes out of the woman after she gives birth. After a woman gives birth, she bleeds for approximately forty days, it's mo- mostly less, and it can be sometimes more according to the Shafi'iyah. Like she bleeds for approximately forty days. When after she gives birth, uh, and that's called the nifas. And in, even though we find in the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and in the Arabic language, the word nifas can be used for the word hayd for, for menstrual cycle. So sometimes you find the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam saying to Aisha, "Anafisti, did you have your nifas? Yani, did you have your hayd, your period, your menstrual cycle?" But when it comes to fiqh, when we speak about it in fiqh, according to the technical definition of the fuqaha, the scholars of fiqh, when they say nifas, they mean Huh? Postnatal bleeding, and the third type of blood is wadamul istihada, the blood of istihada, which is translated as irregular blood. It's translated as irregular blood, and this has no ruling, meaning it doesn't make you impure. It has certain rulings, but it doesn't. يعني, it doesn't make your person impure. طيب. So let's look at these three types of blood first. So he says, فالحيض هو الخارج على سبيل الصحة من غير سبب الولادة. The way the word حيض. The, in the Arabic language, it means السيلان. It means for something to overflow or to flow. The word حيض means to flow. 
and what is used here, what is known uh, in the Arabic language, but what is used as here is the huwal khariju ala sabil al-sihha. It's the blood that comes out of the woman and it's a sign of health. It's a sign of good health. Min ghayri sabab al-wulada, and this blood has come out of her not due to giving birth, as opposed to nifas, which is due to giving birth. So, as a definition, let's go, let's, let's go back from the book. Al-Hayd, the menstrual cycle, if you know, is that a woman or a girl, when she reaches the age of puberty, she's ready to have a baby. She's ready to be, become pregnant. Okay, When she reaches the age of puberty, she's ready to become pregnant. Her body becomes biologically ready to uh, accommodate a baby. This, the, the, the way that happens is that the woman's uterus is lined by blood. The woman's uterus is lined by blood. If she's impregnated, then the uh, feces, or not, uh, <laughs> fetus, the fetus, now the fetus, it goes and it takes the nutrients from that blood. It goes and it hangs on that blood through the umbilical cord, umbilical cord, right? It comes out and it, as we know, the blood is the source of nutrients of a human being. And when a person eats and drinks, the blood is what takes around the nutrients around the body. This is something that the scholars of the scholars of the past knew. That's why I mention it here. And so the, the blood takes the nutrients around the body, and from amongst the nutrients that is taken is the woman when she's pregnant. The blood is given to the new <coughs> baby in her womb. That's if she's impregnated. If the woman isn't impregnated, then every month that blood sheds and it leaves the woman from her private part. This blood that sheds from the uterus wall is known as the hayd, the menstrual cycle. This is what is known as the menstrual cycle. And it has three distinct characteristics. It has three distinct characteristics that are important to know. <coughs> Number one is that it is thick. And it's thicker than normal blood. Number two is that it is dark in color. Dark in color. And number three is that it has a distinct smell. Number three is that it has a distinct smell. These are the three characteristics of Hayd. So it's number one, thick. Number two, dark in color. And number three, it has a distinct smell. This blood, when a woman sees that blood, then she knows that when a woman sees that blood, then she knows that that blood is the blood of Hayd. As opposed to other, the normal blood, which is thin, it's not dark in color, and hasn't got that same smell. Then when she sees those characteristics, she knows that that blood that's coming out of her, it's not blood of, it's not Hayd. It's not her menstrual cycle. Okay? So that's why author here says, فَالْحَيْضُ هُوَ الْخَارِجُ عَلَى سَبِيلِ الصِّحَّةِ It comes out as a sign of health, because it shows that the body is working properly. مِنْ غَيْرِ سَبِبِ الْوِلَادَةِ and that blood is not, it hasn't come out because of giving birth. And the reason, uh, as opposed to nifas, which the author mentions next, he says, وَالنِفَاسُ هُوَ الْخَارِجُ عَقِيبَ الْوِلَادَةِ And nifas is the blood that comes out after a woman gives birth. During birth, or during pregnancy, a woman cannot get pregnant, uh, cannot, cannot have her hayd, her menstrual cycle, according to the majority of the scholars. And that's the correct opinion, according to science as well. A woman cannot get her period during 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 pregnancy, so all of that blood it comes out at and nifas after she gives birth, and that's called postnatal bleeding. Hmm? Uh, and it has it, it takes the same ruling as hayd. Postnatal bleeding 
it takes the same ruling as Hayd, uh, as as the period, in terms of what you are and you are, you are what you are and what you are not allowed to do, which we're going to take inshallah ta'ala at the end. So a woman who's on her period she can't pray. A woman who's on her nifas she can't pray. A woman who's on who, on her period cannot fast. A woman who's on her nifas cannot fast. All of them they take the same rulings. They take the same rulings, and even in characteristics they are the same. The only difference there are some the only difference is the timings, how long you can have it for, and when it stops and things like that, which we're going to go through inshallah ta'ala. But that's nifas. وَالِسْتِحَاضَ The next one is الْإِسْتِحَاضَ which is irregular blood. وَهُوَ الْخَارِجُ فِي غَيْرِ أَيَّامِ الْحَيْضِ وَالنِّفَاسِ And the author defines it as blood that comes out in other than the days of your period and other than the days of your nifas, your postnatal bleeding. And in the hadith of the Umm Sulaym the Prophet sallallahu or Fatima bin Tuhbaysh the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he it was, it was, he was asked, Ya Rasulullah, inni ustahadu fala athur, afada'u salah. A woman came to the Prophet and said to her, Ya Rasulullah, I constantly have period, and I constantly have blood coming out of me. Ustahadu, constantly, always blood coming out of me. Afada'u salah, should I leave off the prayer? Should I never pray? Because this blood coming out of me is, is it my period? So if it's my period, I shouldn't pray whilst it's my period, so should I not pray? Right? And so the Prophet وسلم, he said, Da'i salah. Leave of the salah for the amount of days that you used to have your period for. So based on this hadith, we know that a woman, if she has constant blood coming out of her, then we take levels on how, when, she, when does she consider to have her period? When is she considered to have a period? So let's say she's always bleeding. And in the hadith, the Prophet also said, That is a vein that shaitan has cut. Meaning the blood that comes out of you from the private part is just a vein that was cut by shaitan. And so because of that, it's the normal blood of the body. It's not special type of blood. It's not the period blood. <coughs> Rather, it's just a cut in the body, which because of that cut, blood is flowing out. And the Prophet وسلم, said that it was shaitan cut that, that blood. And then so he, he guided her to what to do. And so the scholars, they say, if a woman has istihada, she's in a situation where she constantly bleeds, then she, number one, the first thing that she does is when does she, first of all, the question is, when does she consider her period time? When does she have a period? And she's 30 days constantly bleeding. Do we say she's on her period the whole time? No. We say, number one, if you can tell, the, if you can distinguish between the period blood and the istihada blood. Remember we said that the period blood has specific characteristics, right? Let's say now, for the whole month, 30 days or 29 days, you have blood coming out of you. But from the 10th to the 17th, the blood is thick and dark and has a smell. So then when do, we, when do you say her period is? From the 10th to the 17th. For the period of time where she can tell the difference. In that case, there is no problem. Yani we see, she knows where the period is because she can tell the difference. But the second situation is a woman, she can't tell the difference between the two types of period. So she, she's bleeding all the time and the blood always looks the same to her. She doesn't know, it doesn't look like period blood one time, she looks the same to her. Then in that, in that situation, the Prophet said, Stop praying, meaning consider your period the time that you used to have your period in. Women, generally, they have their period at the same time of the month, every month. So, generally. So they'll have from the 20th to the 25th every month. So before, before, 
before her constant bleed started, her period was from the 20th to the 26th. So in that case, when, when the constant bleed is start, started, and she can't tell the difference between the bloods, then we say from the 20th to the 26th is your period. Because the blood is always coming out at that time. That's the second situation. <clears throat> the third situation is, she cannot tell the difference between the blood, and she never used to have a previous constant menstrual cycle. For example, who? A small girl, a young girl, she's always been bleeding. Before she even reached the age of puberty, she's always been bleeding constantly. Then in that case we say that the periods of the women, they synchronize. A woman is going to have a similar period to her sister and her friends and her mother and her aunties. They, and this is something that's known amongst women. It's not something I'm making up, trust me. I'm not making up. They have their, uh, their, their, their periods, they synchronize. They have it at the same time according to the people that they're around. And so in that case we say because of that, they assume their period is during the same time as their close female relatives. Their close female relatives. Is that clear? And that's the way to deal with istihada. Then the Prophet وسلم, guided uh, Fatima bin Hubaysh in the hadith and told her, قَدَّعِ الصَّلَاةِ قَدَّ الْأَيَامِ الَّتِي كُنْتِ تَحِيضِينَ فِيهَا ثُمَّ اغْتَسِلِي وَصَلِّي وَتَوَضَّئِ لِكُلِّ صَلَاةِ وَاغْتَسِلِي لِكُلِّ صَلَاةِ The Prophet وسلم, said, then after that, when you finish your the time period that we've out of one of the two out of one of the three situations that you have, then when you finish your period, then have your ghusl and then do wudu for every salah. Just like the one who has salasul bowl, the one who has constant urine coming out of them, they do wudu for every salah. So what she does is she has because remember we said that one of the things that breaks your wudu is what? Mm -mm. We didn't say that. Hmm? No, yeah, bowl, but no, we didn't say that specifically, no. What's the thing that is good to do with this that breaks the wudu? Hmm? Blood. Did we say that? Did we? No. No, generally. Huh? Anything that leaves the private part. Anything that leaves the private part. And this comes under that. It's not blood. Blood doesn't break the wudu. Blood coming out of your hand doesn't break your wudu. Urine breaks your wudu, but it's not the same. We're talking about, we want that definition. The thing that breaks your wudu from the six things, guys, you have to memorize this. Six or five things that break the wudu, you have to know it off the top of your head. <laughs> the things, so now obviously, because of the woman is constantly bleeding, she's constantly, by the way, that's what we would say. But the, the thing that breaks your wudu is anything that comes out from the two private parts, front or back. Now, what's coming out of her private part is blood, right? So, therefore, her wudu is being broken constantly. Her wudu is being broken constantly. So, she takes the ruling of the one who has salasul bowl. Consistent blood, I mean consistent urine. Someone's always urinating, what do they do? How do they do wudu? We don't say you do wudu every time you urinate because you can't control your urine. So this person, they do wudu for every salah. When Zuhur comes in, they pray, they do wudu. Then they can pray until Asr. Sunnah, touch the Quran, do anything they want until Asr. Even, and ignore any urine and blood that comes out. Then at Asr time, they do another wudu. And so the Prophet ﷺ told this companion to do wudu for every single salah. Right? So that's how a person deals with Al-istihada. Is that clear? Istihada clear. Questions from the sisters, send them inshaAllah ta'ala. Please, sisters, send the questions. Huh? Um, and the, the, the characteristic of istihada is the same as normal blood. It doesn't look like hayd. It's normal blood. Because again, we said it is irqun. There was a, a vein that was cut from shaitan. Is that clear? Hmm. They say the women around her. The women around her. So the friends group, if they all have the same period of time, or relatives, or aunties, or yeah, something like that, or sisters. طيب. So that is Al-Hayd. Now, 
الحيض الاستحاضه نصف ناو وي غونا جو ثرو يعني they do اجتهاد they see what what they think to be the closest or the majority of the women around them and they take that is there any question on this طيب واقل الحيض then he says الحيض now we're gonna go through numbers every now all this just numbers numbers that's to do with the amount of days that you can be on your period and things like that so I just want you guys to write them down inshallah ta'ala you understand them at the same time so the first number is واقل الحيض the minimal time that a woman can start that can have her period the minimal time that a woman can start her, okay, can have her period is one day and one night. Yomun walayla. Yomun walayla. One day and one night, a woman can be on her period for a minimal time. Meaning, if a woman, she sees blood for six hours of the day, then what do we consider that to be? Istihada or dam fasad. Yani blood which is irregular, not considered. It's not her period. Okay? So it has to be one day and one night. And this, the evidence for this is al-istiqra, they say, observation. So that this is what's been seen. It's never been seen that a woman's only been her period for less than, and, she's, and it's actually her period for less than one day and one night. Uh, anything that comes out before that, then it's not one day and one night. And the, the Shari had, the one who explained the book here mentions that وَرُوِيَ ذَلِكَ عَنْ عَلِي بِنَ بِطَالِبِ This was narrated from Ali ibn Abi Talib. As if it's narrated, but it's weak. وَنَصَّ الشَّافِعِي وَعَلَى ذَلِكَ فِي عَامَّةِ كُتُبِهِ And this is what Imam al-Shafi'i rahimahu Allah ta'ala mentions in the majority of his books. طيب that's the minimum period of time so it has to be one day and one night وغالبه and the majority of periods the majority of menstrual cycles are six to seven days the majority of menstrual cycles are six to seven days and that's because of number one we know we've seen it from observation we've seen the observation the woman generally is on her period at this time and this is called istiqara that we've seen it and number two, also the hadith of Fatima bint or Lahmna bint Jahsh. The Prophet said, Basically, this hadith is the Prophet وسلم, was saying that a woman, her generally her period is six to seven days. Yani, consider your period. And this hadith of uh, the, this companion is uh, when she asked about the Prophet وسلم, about al-istihada. Uh, she also asked the hadith of Umm Sulaim, Fatima bint Hubaysh, and Lahna bint Jahsh. That they all asked the Prophet وسلم, about istihada. And this is the end of the hadith only. The beginning of the hadith is talking about istihada. The point is the Prophet وسلم, said that the period generally is between six to seven days. Then he says, The maximum time a woman can be on her period. The maximum time a woman can be on her period is 15 days. 15 days. And the evidence for that is that the Prophet وسلم, told us that a woman... She doesn't pray. She said, he said, la The woman, or shatra dahriha. The woman, she sits down and she doesn't pray half of her life. A woman doesn't pray for half of her life, or half of the year. What does that mean? That means she doesn't pray for a maximum of 15 days. And if it was 16 days that she that she was on her period, then she would be 
praying for the, she will be not praying <coughs> for what? The majority of the year. But the Prophet وسلم, said here that she is not praying for 15 or for half of the year. And that's 15 days maximum. 15 days maximum. And this is what Allah seems to be a stronger opinion. That it is maximum for 15 days. So if she sees her period 15 days and then it carries on for the 16th day, what do we say for the 16th day? The blood is? Dam fasad wa istihada. Okay? Hmm? Is that clear? So 15 days is the maximum that a woman can be in her period. You can't go past that. <coughs> then he says, nifasi lahda. The next one is the minimal time that a woman can be <coughs> on her nifas. The woman ta- minimum time that a woman can be on her nifas. And the minimal time that a woman can be on her postnatal bleeding is lahda, one moment. All of the blood comes out in one moment. It comes out after she gives birth, all of the blood comes out and she never has her nifas again. And that's possible. It doesn't have to be one day or one night or anything like that. And the maximum is 60 days. 60 days she can be on her, uh, on her nifas. That's the maximum according to the Shafi'iyah. The Hanabila they say 40 days. Hanabila they say 40 days. Like no problem. And the reason why the Shafi'iyah say 60 days is because that's what they, 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 they have observed. They've observed 60 days. And the Shariha, he mentions, uh, what did he mention? قال الأوزاعي, الإمام أبو عمر الأوزاعي, الشامي رحمه الله تعالى, the Imam of أهل الشام, he said, عندنا امرأة ترى النفاس شهرين. That we have a woman that she's, she sees her nifas for two months. وقال ربيعة شيخ مالك, ربيعة بن عبد الرحمن الرأي, he said, أدركت الناس يقولون أكثر ما, ت, ما تنفس المرأة ستون يوما. That the maximum, الحمد لله, يهديكم وصلهم لكم. The maximum a woman can be on her period is 60 days. And so because of that, they say that because of istiqra, because of the observation that they've seen women doing, being on her nifas for 60 days, then it's possible. As for the hadith of Umm Salama radiallahu anha, that says 40 days, then they say that this hadith shows that it can be 40 days, but it doesn't show it's a maximum. The Hanabila say no, this is maximum because of the hadith. And they stick to that. Now. I don't think Rabbi Ahmed was tabbing. Uh, so this is um, about the message of Olin's talking about like people in general and people in Holy. Rabbi was the Imam of Ahl Medina. Was the Imam of the people of Medina at his time. And he was the teacher of Imam Malik. And he was saying the people of Medina. And I saw the people of Medina. Right? Adraktun Nas, Ahl Medina. That's why you know the Imam Malik. He says that the opinion of the people of Medina is a hujjah, is evidence. I mean, if the people of Medina at the time, at that time, if we see them doing something, then it's evidence. Why? Why? Huh? Because the Medina was where the companions were. So therefore, if the people are doing something, all of them are doing something, they obviously took it from you, the companions. Not today, but at that time. Right? So that's why he's saying, Adrakt al-Nas. He said that's all the people they're saying that the maximum in the fast is 60 days. And that's and Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah in his uh, in one of his books, he mentions that this is not an evidence. Because not necessarily and this is why Imam Malik rahimahullah sometimes would not look at a hadith. He would not he would not take a ruling from a hadith because he didn't see the people of Medina doing it. For example, fasting six days of Shawwal. Fasting six days of Shawwal, we know it's Sunnah, right? But he never saw the people of Medina doing it. And so for him, the action of the people of Medina is stronger than a hadith that is a, a had. That's not because the people of Medina is all of them. They must all have got it from the companions. 
The stronger than a hadith according to him. But that's Allah I'm not the strongest way. No. Makruh. Yeah, he saw, he saw the, the hadith to be weak because of the people of Medina. Huh? Yeah, because they didn't act upon it. Not necessarily weak, sorry. The hadith is not necessarily weak. The hadith, they wouldn't act upon it. Because they say it's ahad. And maybe the hadith is abrogated. So maybe the, yeah, I would say the hadith may have been abrogated. It's mansukh. Because if the hadith was still in place, then the people of Medina would have done it. And he has evidences for that. And Ibn Taymiyyah mentions that, argues against it. In his kitab, Raf'u al-Malam, Anil A'immat al-Alam. He argues against that. Lakin, um, the point is, 60 days according to them. Waghalibuhu, uh, and the majority of periods are, Arba'una yawman, 40 days. Naam, nifas, sorry. The majority, the majority, the average nifas is 40 days. That's because the hadith of Umm Salama, Kanat al-Nufasa, ala ahdi Rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, taq'udu ba'da nifasi, Arba'una yawman. That the woman, when she was on her nifas, she would sit down, meaning she would not pray for 40 days. Then he says, The minimal time that a woman can be on her, the minimal time between two periods. The minimal time between two periods. Meaning, a woman, she finishes her period. When can she start her next one? We say there has to be 15 days between each period. It has to be 15, minute, 15 days between each period. So a woman, if she has a period and she finishes it, then 10 days later she sees blood again. What's that considered to be? Istihada, dam fasad, irregular blood. Okay? I can't have another period within 15 days. Because in that case we would say the same thing, right? That she, was, she, can, have, she can possibly have her period for the majority of the year. And this goes against the hadith. Therefore any, any blood that comes after that is not considered to be the period blood. Then he said, وَأَقَلُّ زَمَانٍ تَحِيضُ فِيهِ الْجَارِيَةِ تِسْعُ سِنِينَ the earliest time a woman can start her period, the earliest age. The earliest age a woman can start her period. The earliest age a woman can start her period according to the Shafi'iyah is Tis'ur Sinin, nine years, nine years old. That's the earliest. Any blood seen before that time is Istihadah again. Why? Imam Shafi'i said, A'ajalu man sami'tu min al-nisa' yahidna nisa'u tihama yahidna li tis'ur sinin. The earliest women that I saw starting their period, again this is all observation. This ruling is based on observation. We've never, it's never been seen a woman starting a period before that, according to what Imam Shafi'i is saying. He's saying the earliest women that I saw starting the period were the women of Tihama. Tihama is the southwestern south region of the Arabian Peninsula. So today, currently today, it's in Yemen, the, 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 north, the north, uh, northwest of Yemen, and the southeast or southwest of Saudi Arabia. Uh, that's where Tihama is, and it's the mountains. It's below Mecca, in the whole, whole area of Yemen. <laughs> And it has a climate, it's a very hot climate. It's like Jidda. Jidda and those areas, they have a hot climate throughout winter and summer. They don't have a cold season, you could say. It's always constantly hot. It gets hotter and just gets less hot. That's how it is. And it's Tihama. And they say that the reason why it's important is because they say that a woman, they would start their period based on a few things. Number one is the weather as well. From amongst things, the weather. And number two is the diet. Those two things, they uh, make a woman start her period earlier. The hotter it is, the earlier it starts. And Tihama is the lowest area of the Arabian Peninsula. So they start their periods at early time. This place is called, today, today the city of Tihama is there. They call it Tuhama, but correct to say Tihama. Um, the city of um, Jazan, the city of, um, even to, to Aden. All of these mountains, these are all part of Tihama. 
the mountains of Tihama. And you have it in the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that narrated by At-Tabarani, that a man who come with good deeds, the amount of the Jabal, Jibal Tihama, the mountains of Tihama. That's all that area. <laughs> so these women, he said, I saw them starting their period at the age of nine. And so because of that, we say that the earliest is nine. So if a woman sees blood before the age of nine, we say that blood is istihada. <laughs> and that's the benefit of knowing these numbers. The minimal time that a woman can be pregnant for. By the way, there's benefits in these numbers. A lot of benefits, especially when you go into the higher books of fiqh. There's a lot of benefits. And I'll tell you one, I'll tell you some of them, inshallah. The, uh, the, the minimal time that a woman can be on her period for is six, sorry, pregnant for. The minimal time that a woman can be pregnant for is six months. Six months. <laughs> What's the benefit in knowing this? If a woman comes and she's married, she's just been married, and she gives birth five months later, then when, when did she get pregnant? Yani one month before she got married. Therefore, obviously, it was zina. And so the judge will, will consider in this, you learn in Kitabul, in Jinayat, in the, in the, in the yani judging, that if a judge sees this, then obviously this is zina. And so the punishment of zina is applied on this, in this situation. Because she gives birth to a healthy baby. طيب, six months. Where did they get six months from? The evidence for six months is the, the Athar of Uthman radiallahu anhu. A woman was brought to Uthman and the companions, and she gave birth to a healthy baby after six months. And so the companions, the scholars, or the companions, they obviously assumed that this was from zina. Why? Because average, a woman gives birth how long? Nine months pregnancy, but she gave birth at six months. So Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu, the intellect, smart, uh, how amazing they were at istinbat, extracting from the Quran. <laughs> Ali ibn Abi Talib said that she, and she was married six months earlier and she gave birth six months later. Ali ibn Abi Talib said, no, it's possible that she could have been married and given birth within the marriage six months later. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran, وَوَصَّيْنَا الْإِنسَانَ بِوَالِدَيْهِ إِحْسَانًا حَمَلَتْهُ أُمُّهُ كُرْهًا وَوَضَعَتْهُ كُرْهًا That the, we've commanded the human being to be good to their parents. That your, because your parents, your mother, sorry, your mother, to be good to your mother or to your parents. And your mother, she carried you kurhan in hardship. And she gave birth to you in hardship. And when she was pregnant, she was hard. And when she gave birth to you, it was hard. <laughs> then he said, Allah says that the pregnancy and the, the birth, oh sorry, the pregnancy and the breastfeeding was 30 months. And a woman is breastfeeding and she's pregnant with you for 30 months altogether. 30 months, right? 30 months. How long is pregnancy according to the Quran? No, sorry. How long is birth, uh, breastfeeding according to the Quran? Two years. Two years. Where's the evidence? Huh? That's one evidence. And also? The, the, the mothers, they should, give, they should breastfeed their children for two full years. Two full years. How many months is in two years? 24 months in two years. And, the, and Allah says that the, 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 the pregnancy and the breastfeeding is 30 months. So how many months do you have left? Six, Six months. So they said the pregnancy, obviously, it can be six months. And so when that happened, the woman... Did you guys get that? Was that confusing? 
Huh? If it was confusing, then just check the recording, inshallah. It, the, the, so, the, so the pregnancy and the breastfeeding has to be 30 months, and the breastfeeding is 24 months, according to the Quran, therefore what's remaining is 6 months. So therefore it is possible, according to the Quran, for a woman to be pregnant and give birth to a healthy baby after 6 months. And so when Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu anhu told them this, it became ijma' they all agreed upon this, and till now, we, so, we say that 6 months is the time that a woman can be pregnant for. And we know the benefit for that, right? <laughs> Yeah, not miscarriage. Yeah, a fully developed baby. Yeah, not a miscarried baby. Hmm. Ali radiallahu anhu. Here, this is Ibn Abbas, huh? No, but it was narrated from Ali as well. It's from Ali. Then he says, "وَأَكْثَرُهُ أَرْبَعُ السِّنِينَ." The maximum time a woman can be pregnant is four years. Women can be pregnant for four years. Why? Because of istiqra, observation. This is what's been seen. And from amongst those are, as the Shariah mentions, Malik ibn Anas, rahimahullah, Imam Malik. You know, Imam Malik actually himself, from what I've read, he was preg- his mother was pregnant with him for two years. For two years. Uh, and then Imam Malik himself, he says, هذه جارتنا امرأة محمد بن عجلان امرأة صدق وزوجها رجل صدق The wife of Muhammad ibn Ajlan, who's one of the scholars of Medina. He's a truthful person and his wife is a truthful person. She became pregnant. She had three babies in 12 years. Each pregnancy was four years. Each pregnancy was four years. Also, he mentions here and his narrative from Mujahid that a man came to Malik ibn Dinar, one of the Tabi'een. Malik ibn Dinar and said to him, Ya Aba Yahya, oh Abu Yahya, make dua for my wife. She's been pregnant for four years. And so he made dua and a man came running, saying to this man, Look, go and Go to your wife because she's just giving birth now. And so she went, he went back and she gave birth and he came back with a baby who was four years old with a full set of teeth. And they said that this is, this is possible. Obviously today, today they will induce labor in, this, in, the, in, the, in these countries. Lacking is still possible. Uh, in fact, my teacher just the other day was telling me about uh, a, woman, a man uh, back home that gave birth. Uh, his wife was pregnant for three years. His wife was pregnant for three years. Obviously, this is in a place where there is no induction. of They can't induce the labor and stuff like that like they do today. But over there, he was pregnant for three years. And so it happens until today. But the maximum that's been seen according to them is four years that she's pregnant. What's the benefit behind that? In terms of ruling? <coughs> fasting. Mm-mm. Four years, six months, doesn't make a difference. The benefit here also, one of the benefits is that if a, if a woman, it's also to, to do with zina, yani. if a woman... She is, she's, she, her husband leaves her and he goes somewhere, goes somewhere and goes travels. Travels and comes back three years later and she's pregnant. Do we say it's zina? Why? Because it's possible that that baby is his. So it's not zina, it's 100% his. According to the Quran, according to the Sharia, we say it's his, 100% it's his. Unless he has evidence now to say it's not mine, then he has to go to court and do li'an, which we, we spoke about before. He has to do li'an. He has to negate the baby, it's not my baby, because I'm 100% sure it's not mine. Lakin, as we know, the baby is for the marriage. And if a woman is married and she gets pregnant, then no matter what we say, it's, the, it's that man's baby. No matter what, even if it comes out and looks completely different. Completely different. You say, no, it's your baby, whether you like it or not. Unless he says, I, he negates and he does li'an and accuses her of zina. Then in that case, we have those rulings. Tayyib, let's say five years later he comes back and she's her pregnant. Then, zina. Hmm? 
is when the sign of pregnancy comes. If he leaves, and then she gets pregnant late, are the signs going to leave? No. It's not four years from the sign of pregnancy. Four years from he, when he leaves. Because you could have, on the last day, and then she got pregnant. On that day, they slept together. Then he left, and four years later he came back. He left on that day. Is that possible? Yeah, no, he does it. You only see the signs months later. You only see the signs months later. How long does it take? Maybe it doesn't come. Some people, they don't know they're pregnant until six months, seven months. You know that? I know someone, she didn't know she was pregnant until five months, family member. Five months, she didn't know she was pregnant. It's possible. Change. So, how we say four years can not be, can someone not come and say it's five years? Yeah, and it can change. Like, in, if it's been thabit for all of these years, it's not likely to change. And we will stick to that. We will say that if it is more than five years, then it's zina. So, you see, with, uh, because the start changes with the soul, there will not be a doubt when it comes to zina. No, no, it won't, it won't change. We'll say it could change hypothetically before, but now, but since in the past it's never happened, then no. Mm. So that's the maximum time a woman can be pregnant. The majority of times the woman is pregnant for how long? Nine months. For nine months. Now here is the fruits of all of these, the rulings that come with the period and nifas and things like that. Is there any question on sisters? No. Mm. No, if this is something different, the judge judges according to the method. If they have a different opinion, then they judge according to the method. But I don't know the method. Hmm? Uh, yeah, four years, yeah. But then now the rulings now. If a woman's on a period, what are the rulings? Now is what it's taken, right? Now is what it's taken. He says, وَيَحْرُمُ بِالْحَيْضِ ثَمَانِيَةُ أَشْيَاءِ A person who is on their period, eight things are haram for them. A woman, when she's on her period, eight things are haram for them. Number one, a salah. She's not allowed to pray. She's not allowed to pray. Well, there's a major sin for her to pray. And if she believes halal to pray, then it's kufr, disbelief. And the Hanafis, the Imam Abu Hanifa, says that a woman who prays on her period, knowing she's on her period, is a kafir. She's a kafir. Disbeliefs. Just like a person who prays, whilst they don't have wudu on purpose, she's a disbeliever. According to that madhab, it's a bit, يعني, we don't follow that. Like, that's what they say, to show how serious the matter is. Mm. No, istihlal istihza' both. Are they making a halal or because they're mocking it? They're mocking the salah. Or because they are, but then again, the action is not necessarily istihza'. That's why we don't, we don't necessarily follow that. Huh? So praying, and this is by ijma'ah, no difference of opinion that a woman is not allowed to pray while she's on her period. And we have feminists these days trying to say that. Why can't a woman pray? Let us pray or let us fast while on a period. And they want to harm themselves even more just to be like a man, a man. It's the scene today. She's not allowed to pray. And the evidence for that is the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. salah. Leave the salah. He said to the woman. salah Leave, stop praying the days that you used to have your period. And also the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that uh, when the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha, a woman came to Aisha radiallahu anha and said to her, يا أم المؤمنين أو يا عائشة ما بال الحائض تقضي الصلاة تقضي الصوم ولا تقضي الصلاة how come the woman she makes up her fasting but she doesn't make up her prayer she makes up the fasting but she doesn't make up her prayer when she's on her period what does that show that you don't pray and you don't fast on your period 
right? And this is by Ijma. And so Aisha radiallahu anha said, Aharuriyatun anti, are you a haruriya? Haruriya I mean khawarij. Are you from the khawarij? Because the khawarij they lived in a place called harura. And so he said, are you a haruriya? Yani you've been extreme, you're going to make up the salah as well. He said, Can you sleep on a dalika fi ahdi rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? That used to happen to us. We used to have our period at the time of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Fanu'maru bi qada'i sawm wa la nu'maru bi qada'i salah. We used to be commanded to make up the, fa- the, pr- the fasting, but we never used to make, be commanded to make up the salah. That shows that you're not allowed to fast or pray during the, during the period. Number two is was sawm, fasting. <laughs> a woman is not allowed to fast whilst she's on her period. A woman is not allowed to fast whilst she's on her period. And that's again by ijma' no difference of opinion. And it's also because of that same hadith. A woman doesn't fast while she's on her period. Number three is waqira'atul Qur'an. According to the Shafi'i madhab, they say that she's not allowed to recite the Qur'an while she's on her period. The Shafi'iyah, they say that a woman is not allowed to recite the Qur'an whilst she's on her period. Yani from memory or from the Qur'an. She's not allowed to recite, she's not allowed to speak the words of the Qur'an according to the Shafi'i madhab. And the evidence that they bring is a hadith which is weak. And the hadith is weak. And so therefore we don't take that, that hadith. And the second evidence they bring is the, they do qiyas. They compare it to the man who's on, the, the person who's on jana, in janaba. A man or woman who's in the state of sexual impurity, janaba. They've just had sexual intercourse, for example. They have to go have a bath before they can read the Qur'an. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and Ali radiallahu anhu narrates, كَانَ لَا يَحْجُبُ النَّبِيَ sallallahu alayhi wa sallam مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ شَيْءٌ سِوَى الْجَنَابَ Nothing else, nothing used to preserve, prevent the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from reciting the Qur'an other than being in the state of janaba. So when a person is in the state of janaba, they're not allowed to recite the Qur'an. And that's ma'roof. We're going to take it, inshaAllah ta'ala, because of the hadith of Ali and Abu Dawood, and it's authentic. So they said, the woman on her period is in a worse state. She's worse, because her, her impurity is worse than, and that's true. The impurity of the person in the state of Janaba is worse. Lakin, we say, this is qiyas ma'al fariq. This is your, you have compared two things that are not the same. For you to do qiyas, for you to compare something, say this is, for example, qiyas, what qiyas is basically, is for me to say this is haram. Why? Because the sharia says this is haram and this is the same. Like for example, I say to you, smoking weed is haram. Why? Because alcohol makes you, intoxicates you, right? Alcohol intoxicates you, and weed intoxicates you, so therefore it's haram. That's correct, Qiyas. That's correct. For them to say now, the, the person in Janaba can't recite the Quran. Therefore, the one who's on the period can't recite the Quran because it's the same. We say no, it's not the same. What's the difference? You can't control it. First of all, the woman can't control her hayd. She can't control it. She, she doesn't control it. It's naturally that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put it in her. So she can't control it. Number two, the person in Janaba can, obviously, number one, the person in Janaba can control it. Number two, the person in Janaba can have a bath. Go have a bath and recite the Quran. The woman, the woman in her period, she can't have a bath to take away her period. So therefore, these are two different things that you can't make the same ruling based on them. So therefore, the correct, the other opinion is the opinion that was considered to be more strong by Imam Ibn Malik and also Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah. That is that a woman can recite the Quran in her Janaba, but she cannot touch the Mus'haf. She cannot touch the Quran, but she can recite it. Mm. Yeah, we'll take it inshallah here. The next one is وَمَسُّ Quran, Touching the Qur'an. The next one is she's not allowed to touch the Qur'an. Why? Because we have the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he said لَا يَمَسُّ الْقُرْآنُ إِلَّا طَاهِرٌ لَا يَمَسُّ الْقُرْآنَ إِلَّا طَاهِرٌ No one should touch the Qur'an except for someone who is pure. And the pure, purity or purification or being pure, tahir, tahara, in the sharia, 
when it's when it's generally left like that, it means wudu. That's what it means generally. Yes, the person, yani for someone to say, and Imam Ahmed ta'ala claims ijma' on this. There's no difference of opinion according to Imam Ahmed. And I don't know anyone from the Salaf who differed on this. I don't know anyone from the Salaf who differed on this. To say that you can touch the Quran whilst you don't have wudu. If you don't have wudu, you're not allowed to touch the Quran. If you have, so therefore the woman in her period, she's not allowed to touch the Quran because she doesn't have wudu, of course. And I don't know anyone from the Salaf who differed on this. Apart from, and they were later scholars who differed on this. Wallahu alam, I don't know anyone from the Salaf who followed them in this opinion. Or who they followed in this opinion. Wallahu alam. So, touching the Qur'an is not allowed for a woman on the period. What do you mean by touching the Qur'an? Yani, touching anything that is on the, the papers of the Qur'an and anything that's connected to it, so the cover. Anything that is stitched to it, basically. As for a covering that is around it, then it's fine. So if someone gets a cloth and covers around it, then it's fine. As for, for example, look, this, is, this the, let's say this is a Mus'haf. Is this the Qur'an itself? It's not the Qur'an, but you're not allowed to touch this as well. Because it's connected to it. So anything that is to the Qur'an or connected to it is not allowed to be touched. That is if the, it is a mushaf. As for if it's a book like this, this is a book, it has some ayat in the Qur'an, but you're allowed to touch this because it's not the mushaf. So what's the difference between the mushaf and a book that has a lot of ayat? For example, a book of tafsir. We say the difference is if it has more Qur'an, then you're not allowed to touch it. And if it has more tafsir, the speech of human being, then you're allowed to touch it. That's what Imam al-Shawkani mentions. Same thing, yeah. Gloves, cloth, all of that. The tongue is not connected to it. If it's not connected to the Quran, it's not, it's not allowed. So, if you can some scholars, they allow the gloves, yeah. So, you know, on the thing about the Mus'haf with the Quran, I think I saw a video of Mishnah Sadiq Kazan, he said that if the Mus'haf is one of those Tafsir books where they hold Safha in the middle and the Tafsir around it, then it's considered the Mus'haf, but if it's like the theory is like. This is a similar, similar thing yeah. yani if it's, 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 The books that have, for example The Quran that has the Quran the, the Quran page in the middle And on the sides It has the tafsir Like tafsir al-Si'di And tafsir al-Jalalain yeah. Those you're not allowed to touch But if it's tafsir al-Kathir And those kind of books that are 10 volume Then the majority of it is not Quran The majority of it is speech of human beings Therefore it's fine to touch طيب. So a woman in her period is not allowed to touch the Quran وحمله, The Shafi'i They will say he's not allowed to carry it They say he's not allowed to carry it يعني, Even in the bag You put it in the bag Not allowed to carry it Like in this Wallahu alam is not Is not what uh, This is according to the Shafi'i And Malikiyah Hanabila and the Hanafis They say no You can't carry it It's fine And that's correct Because the Hadith says لا يمس القرآن Touch in the Quran only hmm. So the Quran You know You have to have wudu Unless you need to For example The Quran is on the floor going to be disrespected then in that case it's fine for necessity but other than that no it's not allowed to touch it you have to have wudu to touch the quran <laughs> good question ipads and iphones the from uh, the, it's a contemporary issue uh, the majority of the scholars of the contemporary scholars that, I, that i've seen the majority of them have said that it's allowed the ipad is not a phone it's not a mushaf or the phone or all of that it's not mushaf so therefore even easier for a woman in her period today she can just hold the hold her phone or hold the ipad and she will be, alaykum salam, she will be, yani she just hold the phone, hold the iPad, and inshallah ta'ala she will, um, yani it's fine, she can touch it. And this is something that I, mean, I heard from multiple different scholars, Ibrahim, Sheikh Ibrahim al-Rahili, and others. طيب. The next one is, وَدُخُولُ الْمَسْجِدِ Entering into the masjid. A woman on her period is not allowed to enter into the masjid according to the Shafi'is, according to the Shafi'is. This is their opinion. They say there's no allowed to enter into the masjid. Why? Because 
of the um, the fact that the, the junub, the person who's in the janaba, is not allowed to enter into the masjid, right? We have the ayah in the Quran when Allah says, "When kuntum junuban, fatahru, when kuntum illa abiri sabil." Allah says, "Illa abiri sabil." A person who's in the state of janaba is not allowed to go inside the masjid unless they are just going through. Yeah, and you're going through one door to get to the other side because it's just a shortcut. You're allowed to go through the masjid. As for going inside and staying inside the masjid, then the person in janaba is not allowed. She's not, you're not allowed to go into in the masjid whilst you're in janaba. You guys know what janaba is, right? You guys know what janaba is? Janaba is the state when a person either sexual impurity, yeah, they either ejaculated or they had sexual intercourse. <coughs> then you're in the state of janaba until you do ghusl. So the person who's in the state of janaba is not allowed inside the masjid. And we know that because of the ayah in the Quran. And so they say the person in the, in the period is the same thing. And we said again, they're not the same. So therefore a woman in a period is allowed. Unless. And, and the scholars, the Shafi'i, they mention this specifically. They say, in masjid. If she fears to make the masjid dirty with her blood. Before, not everyone used to have those sanitary pads where the blood would be protected. Blood can spill from the, from the woman while she's in her period. So because of that, they'll prevent the woman from coming to the masjid. Like and if she's able to cover herself up, then she's allowed to come into the masjid and she's allowed to attend the classes and she's allowed to recite the Quran. Lakin would say if there is no need, then it's better for her to stay away from the masjid. But the correct is strong that you're allowed to, and it's the opinion of Imam Malik and also Ibn Taymiyyah. <laughs> Sheikh Muslim mentioned there's a hadith, but it's weak. Of what? I can't remember the word of the hadith now. <coughs> Mm. The kafir lady. Sorry? Is she allowed to enter the masjid? Yeah, the kafir is allowed to enter the masjid. Yeah. There's no problem with that. We had the hadith of um, Thumama, Thumama bin Uthal, who was a kafir, who was the head of Banu Hanifa, the Prophet, and tied him up in the masjid, in prison. His prison was the masjid. No. إنما المشركون نجس فلا يقربوا المسجد الحرام مسجد الحرام المشركون لا يسال مكة لا يسال مكة مسجد الحرام هي doesn't just mean مسجد الحرام the one in مكة the كعبة no it means the whole of مكة because the whole of مكة is called مسجد الحرام so the kafir is not allowed inside inside the حرام whether it be in the مسجد or not they're not allowed and they say even to the point that if he was buried inside the حرام they have to be dug up and taken out the حرام they're not allowed to be buried inside the حرام even طيب طيب ودخول المسجد so you're not allowed to enter the masjid according to that opinion the other opinion we mentioned to it طيب the next one he says what tawaf doing tawaf around the Kaaba a woman on her period is not allowed to do tawaf around the Kaaba that's because tawaf you need wudu for tawaf you need wudu according to the four imams they say you need wudu for tawaf therefore a woman she's not allowed to be if she doesn't have wudu therefore she can't do tawaf and we have in the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha when she was at Hajj, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to her, Anafisti, did you have your nifas, your period? So she was crying and said yes. And so the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to her, If'ali ma yaf'alu al-hajj ghayra illa tatufi bil-bayt. Do everything that the hajj does, the person who's doing hajj, do everything. But do not do tawaf. So that shows the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam prohibited Aisha radiallahu anha from doing tawaf around the Kaaba while she's on her period. That's because Aisha, she had her period during Hajj. And so, she didn't do Tawaf until the end. And so she does it at the end. 
So therefore that shows that you're not allowed to do tawaf whilst you're on your period. Then he says, وَالْوَطْءُ Sexual intercourse. The next one is sexual intercourse. Sexual intercourse is haram and is a major sin during the woman's period. That's because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, They ask you about the woman who's on her period. قُلْ هُوَ أَذَى Say the period is harmful. فَلَا تَقْرَبُوهُنَّ حَتَّى يَطْهُرْنَ So do not come close to your women until they become pure. فَإِذَا تَطَهَّرْنَ Then when they purify, يعني حتى يطهرنا until they become pure. فَإِذَا تَطَهَّرْنَ When they do the action of being pure, يعني غُصِل Then فَأْتُوهُنَّ مِنْ حَيْثُ فَأَمَرَكُمُ اللَّهِ Then you can do whatever you want that Allah allowed you to do with your women. So sexual intercourse is haram during the period. And to make it more clear, the only thing that is haram during the period when it comes to the wife is sexual intercourse. So we're going to come to the next point which is something which says, and we're going to, I'm going to show you that the other opinion is stronger. According to Imam Nawawi, he says that it's stronger. That, uh, so the only thing that is haram is sexual intercourse. As for everything else, then it's halal. Everything else is halal. Everything else that's halal is halal. طيب. So, uh, and the evidence for that is the hadith of Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu. The Prophet وسلم, was asked about the woman who's on her period. So the Prophet said, Isna'u kulla shay'in illa nikah. Do everything but nikah. يعني sexual intercourse. And nikah is a word that is used for sexual intercourse directly. And so that shows that everything is halal apart from sexual intercourse. That's the only thing that's haram, al-wata. As for the next one, which is, وَالْإِسْتِمْتَعُ فِيمَا بَيْنَ السُرَّةِ وَالْرُكْبَةِ Having sexual pleasure between the navel and the knee, between the belly button and the knee. And they say, you're not allowed to touch your wife while she's on her period between her belly button and her knee. Thighs and all that stuff, the, the belly button, all that's not allowed to be touched sexually. Why? Because they say the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha, كُنْتُ أَتَّزِرُ She said, كَانَ يَرَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ يَأْمُرُنِي فَأَتَّزِرُ فَيُبَاشِرُنِي وَأَنَا حَيَطُ Al-Bukhari Muslim said that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم would tell me to wear something and then he would come to me and we would enjoy each other whilst I'm on my period. And to wear something between my navel and my knee, Al-Izar, is what you beware from your navel, from your belly button downwards. So the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and Aisha, they would touch whilst she was on her period. لكن we have the other hadith which clearly shows what? That the Prophet said, Isna'u kulla shay, do everything but nikah. So why did he cover between the navel and the knee? To be safe. To be safe. Right? And this is the old opinion of Imam al-Shafi'i. And this is the Imam al-Nawi says, this is stronger. Look at Imam al-Nawi, he says, وَهُوَ أَقْوَى دَلِيلًا This is more, this is stronger in terms of evidence. And it's mentioned in Sharh al-Muhadhab. But the weakness I'm between the two, you can't touch the navel and knee, but to be safe. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's correct. You don't need to cover it. You can anything other than a nikah, the clear cut. Um section to us now. Yeah, According to what? If she's on her period, a woman, you can do uh, a man and a woman can do whatever they want other than penetration. Is that clear? No. Yeah, istihada, no. During her istihada, then that's not haram. Only hayd, only menstrual cycle makes the action of sexual intercourse haram. As for during istihada, then it's halal, it's fine. Yeah, nifas takes the same ruling as well. So all of these eight, same as nifas, by the way. 
So when we said eight, all of these eight things, the same things are haram once she's on her nifas, she's on her postnatal bleeding after she gives birth. She can't pray, she can't fast, she can't do tawaf, she can't uh, touch the Quran, she can't have sexual intercourse. Okay? These are the things that are haram on the person on her, on her period. Now, is there a question from the sisters? Is there a specific time period of the Shafi'i is Qadim and to be? No, they say Imam Qadim is when he was in Iraq. And his Jadid is when he was in Egypt. And he went to Iraq first. Imam Shafi'i went to Iraq first. Then he went to Egypt after. Uh, no, we just mentioned that that if, a, if, if it, these are only for menstrual cycle and for nifas, postnatal bleeding. As for when she's a woman's on her istihada, these things are not haram. It's halal. It's fine. طيب. The next one is The things that are haram for the person in the state of janaba. And what is janaba again? <coughs> Sexual impurity. Yani two reasons that you're going to be in the state of janaba. The word janaba comes from the word jam, because the Arabs in jahiliyyah the Arabs, in, even in Jahiliya, they would say that the person in, the state, in this state, and either they ejaculated or they had sexual intercourse, they're in the state of Janaba, they would say that they have to stay away from the Masjid al-Haram. They can't go next to the Kaaba. They're not allowed to go next to the Kaaba, even according to the, to the Arabs of Jahiliya before Islam. So they would call it Janaba because يَجْتَنِبُ Kaaba or يَجْتَنِبُ Haram. He would stay away from the Haram. He would stay away from the Kaaba. Okay? Ijtinab means to stay away. Right? And it comes from the side, yeah, to pull it inside. Right? So this person is in the state of Janaba. The person in the state of Janaba in Junub, and remember the two things that put a person in the state of Janaba is sexual intercourse and ejaculation. There are five things that are haram upon him to do. Number one, as salah, as we know. Salah, you have to have wudu, therefore you can't do it if you're in the state of Janaba. <coughs> Number two is waqira'atul Quran, reciting the Quran. And this is correct. Because the hadith of Ali radiallahu anhu لم يكن يحجب النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم عن القرآن شيء سوى الجنابة Nothing used to prevent the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم from reciting the Quran other than Janaba. So when a person is in the state of Janaba, they're not allowed to recite the Quran even from memory let alone touching it not allowed to recite it even from memory Okay Number three is وَمَسُّ الْمُصْحَفْ Touching the Quran Because you have to have wudu as we mentioned before Because the hadith لا يَمَسُّ الْقُرْآنُ إِلَّا لَا يَمَسُّ الْقُرْآنَ إِلَّا طَاهِرُ No one should touch the Quran other than Someone who is pure. A question here. We said they're not allowed to recite the Quran in Janaba. Common question is, what about dhikr? Let's say a person is in Janaba, but they want to sleep. Are they allowed to recite Ayatul Kursi, which is part of Quran, is dhikr as well? Are they allowed to make dua, like which is in the Quran, Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana fi al-akhirati hasana wa qina adhaab al-nar? Then we say, is that you're allowed? As long as you don't intend it to be Quran. Because you don't intend it to be reciting the Qur'an, you intend it to be dhikr, to protect yourself. So therefore it's fine for a person to recite the Ayatul Kursi or make dua from the Qur'an in the state of Janaba. As long as they don't intend it to be reciting the Qur'an, they intend to be reciting dhikr. Is that clear? That's a common question that comes up. Next one is, touching the Qur'an, how we took that, right? The next one is with tawaf, doing tawaf, because you need wudu for tawaf, therefore you can't, if you don't have, if you're in the state of Janaba, you obviously don't have wudu. The next one is walubtu fil masjid, staying inside the masjid. Staying inside the masjid. <coughs> A person in the state of Janaba is not allowed to come into the masjid. 
That's because Allah says in the Quran, "Wala junuban illa abiri sabilin hatta taghtasilu." A person is not allowed to be inside the masjid who is in the state of janaba. Illa, except for in one situation, which is what you're passing through. Abiri sabil. He's trying to go past through the masjid from one side because the masjid has two doors. Instead of going all the way around, he goes through the masjid to the other side. That case is fine. Other than that, it's not allowed for a person in the state of janaba to stay inside the masjid. Now, there are athar from some of the sahaba that they would do wudu and sleep in the masjid. So we say, if a person does wudu, then he can come into the masjid and sleep. Uh, he can come into the masjid. He's allowed to go into the masjid if he does wudu and there's a need for it. Because the athar, as narrated from Ata, Ibn Abi Rabah from the Tabi'een, he said, I saw the companion sit sleep in the masjid in the state of janaba. So, so the, the eighth thing that makes the, that's haram in the hate is things that are haram in the hate, those 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 things that are but they are the same thing. These five are the same as the pre previous eight. It's just three, three less. And the next one's going to be the same as well. It's just two more left, two less. We're going to see. Mm. Yeah, for hajj, for need. But with the condition that you do wudu. That's what they say. Yeah. Then you have to leave them. If you're doing itikaf and you have a dream, you have to leave the masjid, do ghusl, and come back. Mm. Yeah, itikaf is continuous. But as long as it's accident, it's accidental ejaculation, which is wet dream. As for in purpose, a person has sexual intercourse with their wife, then the itikaf is broken. Mm. The one in the state of hadith, three things are haram for him. What's hadith? Minor impurity. And you don't have? You don't have? Wudu. You don't have wudu. So a person who doesn't have wudu, three things are haram for him. Number one, salah. You can't pray. If you, have, you don't have wudu, you, have to, you don't pray. Because the Prophet said in the hadith narrated by Bukhari Muslim from Ibn Umar, Allah does not accept the salah of any one of you if you are in the state of hadith until you do wudu. Therefore, and it's by ijma'ah, no difference of opinion. Everyone knows you have to have wudu for salah. Number two is what tawafu, to do tawaf. You're not allowed to do tawaf in the state of hadith. Minor hadith, you're not allowed to do tawaf in that state. Person cannot do tawaf because you have to have wudu. Uh, number three is wamasul mushafi wahamluhu touching the Quran, and it's the same same evidence. لا يمسل القرآن إلا طاهر. No one should 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 recite the Quran or touch the Quran whilst in the state of there unless they are pure. This hadith was written kitaban ila ahl Yemen. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam wrote a book to the people of Yemen or a letter to the people of Yemen. In it there was. لا يمس القرآن إلا طاهر. No one should touch the Quran except for someone who is pure. رواه ابن حبان في صحيحه وقال الحاكم سنده على شرطي الصحيح. ابن حبان narrated in his Sahih and الحاكم said that the condition, the chain of narration of this is according to the condition of the Sahih of Al-Bukhari and Muslim. طيب. They say now that this Hadith was a letter and the letter was found by one of the Tabi'een or was known, but it was never narrated from a correct chain of narration. Yani it was never narrated from a, to a companion to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So they say it was mursal. They say the hadith is mursal. No one should touch the Quran except for someone who is pure. They say it's hadith that is mursal, meaning the chain of narration stops at a tabi'i. 
Meaning the companion is not there The Sahabi, the companion of the Prophet ﷺ is not in the chain of narration And we know that that's a weak hadith and that's a, Because we have the, one of the conditions for a hadith to be, to be authentic is that It's connected all the way to the Prophet ﷺ Each person, they went all the way to the companion to the Prophet ﷺ But they say this hadith is authentic Even though it's mursal, why? Because from the qara'in, from the ways of, of, from the ways of showing that hadith is authentic is not just the chain of narration from the ways to show that hadith is authentic is a shuhra that is famous. And this letter, if it's a letter, and everyone knows the letter, all of the companions, they knew this letter, all of the tabi'een, it was a famous letter written by the Prophet ﷺ, everyone knew it. That shows that it's authentic. Right? So, those scholars who uh, may consider that hadith to be weak, uh, they, wallahu uh, alam, that this shows that the hadith is authentic. And, even uh, on top of that, we have the fact that Imam Ahmed says that he does not any difference of opinion amongst the Salaf, saying to you allowed to touch the Quran without wudu. Imam Ahmed said there's no difference of opinion among he doesn't know any difference of opinion. When Imam Ahmed said that he doesn't know any difference of opinion, then that is him quoting Ijma'ah. This is a principle. Whenever you see Imam Ahmed saying, I don't know any difference on this, that shows that he is quoting Ijma'ah. Why didn't he say there is Ijma'ah then? Just to be careful. Just to be careful. And some of the Salaf, they would say, أَكْرَهُ هذا. I don't like this. For them, what does that mean? It's haram. Like, why would they not say haram? The word, this is haram. Why? Because Allah says, وَلَا تَقُولُوا لِمَا تَصْفِفُ أَلْسِنَتُكُمُ الْكَذِبَ هَذَا حَلَالٌ وَهَذَا حَرَامٌ Don't say things that are going to make your tongue tell lies. This is halal and this is haram. Don't say that. So the Salaf, they would be really scared to say the word halal and haram. Really scared. Today, we just shoot it out. Halal, haram, halal, haram. You never studied Arabic, nothing else. There's like in the Salaf, they will be scared. Imam Malik, if you look, read the books of the Salaf, read the Mutta of Imam Malik, Rahimahullah. Likari says, very little you find him say, this is haram halal. When he says haram halal, that shows that he's 100% sure. Like when he says, akrahu hadha, I don't like this, or I dislike this. Or Imam Ahmad, when he says, al-ittifaq, instead of ijma'. There is no, there is a يعني, consensus, but he wouldn't use the word ijma'. Or he would say, I dislike that. Or he says, yanbaghi, you should do this. He wouldn't say it's haram. Or he said, la ba's, no problem. Instead of saying, hadha halal is halal. Why? Wara' our fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To speak about the deen of Allah, about any knowledge. And something that a person needs to be scared of. That speaking in the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without any knowledge is signing on behalf of Allah. Ibn Qayyim, he has a book called I'lam al Muqi'in and Rabb al Alameen. He has a book called The, 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 the uh, Announcement to the Signatures on behalf of, of the Lord of the Worlds. Yani, I'm writing a book, and this book is message to who? The people who are signing on behalf of Allah. How can you sign on behalf of Allah? Give a fatwa. You say, this is halal. What are you saying? Yani, indirectly, what are you saying? If you say, this is halal, you're saying, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, this is halal. That's what you're saying. Indirectly, whether you know it or not. You say, this is halal, you're saying, Allah said this. Yani, you're speaking on behalf of Allah. So Ibn Qayyim wrote a book, wrote, I'lam al-muqi'in al-rabbil alameen. This is an announcement to those people who are signing on behalf of Allah. And then he speaks about usul al-fiqh and how a person should bring out evidence and things like that. Like, and the point is that these people, they, they should, they just the, the chapter title here shows how serious speaking about deen of Allah without knowledge is. Very, very serious matter. Today we have in, yeah, in people on YouTube, they can open YouTube, on all this TikTok, all this rubbish. They can come and speak and say whatever they want. This is halal, this is haram. I don't think it shouldn't be haram. I don't think it should be halal. It's just a bit of makeup, it's just a bit of music. What's wrong with it? Based on nothing, no knowledge, no deen, nothing. Just, I think, it should be like this. Yeah? 
This is something that's very dangerous. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, قُلْ إِنَّمَا حَرَّمَ رَبِّيَ الْفَوَاحِشَ مَا ظَهَرَ مِنْهَا This ayah is known as المحرمات الخمس. The five things that are haram and unanimously agreed upon from the early prophets to our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. These five things were always haram in every nation, every sharia. قُلْ إِنَّمَا حَرَّمَ رَبِّيَ الْفَوَاحِشَ the first thing that Allah made haram is al-fawahish, sexual haram deeds, zina and things like that, anything that leads to it. Al-fawahish, ma zahara minha wa ma batan, whether it be openly or secret. Yani a woman comes out without her hijab, or in secret a person commits zina and things like that. All of these sexual haram deeds are haram. Ma zahara minha wa ma batan. Wal-ithma, and also disobeying Allah. Wal-baghya, and oppression. Wal-baghya bighayr al-haq, wa an... And to do shirk with Allah, to worship anyone that Allah has not given authority to be worshipped. So notice here it goes from from bad to the worst, right? Because shirk comes forth. What comes the worst? To say something about Allah that you don't know. Why did, they put, did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put this after shirk? And we're saying that it's bad to worst. Is shirk not the worst deed? It is. Like in speaking about the deen of Allah, from it is shirk as well. People speak and they say Jesus is a God, Jesus is the son of Allah and this is worse than shirk. This is a type of shirk. So it comes under it as well. The point is here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He puts in the things that are haram, in the things that are haram, He puts speaking about deen of Allah one of the worst. One of the worst. Right? And we're going to be questioned about everything that we say. So Allah says, وَلَا تَقُولُوا لِمَا تَصِفُوا أَلْسِنَتُكُمُ الْكَذِبُ Don't say things that are making up lies about Allah. You're saying this is halal and this is haram. Why? And you're making up lies against Allah. Those people who make up lies about Allah, they're never going to be successful. So this speaking about the deen of Allah, be careful when it comes to saying anything. To say something this is halal and this is haram. This is the way of the salaf. This is the way that the people that they taught. And they would say in the, from amongst those uh, Ibn Abbas, Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhumah, he said, "Man kana ya'lamu shay'an falyaqul bihi." If you know something, then say it. Wa man lam ya'lam falyaqul Allahu a'lam. Whoever does not know, say Allah knows best. Allah knows only. I don't know. Falyaqul Allahu. Fa inna min al-'ilmi because part of knowledge for you to say something. Fa inna min al-'ilmi an taqoola lima la ta'lamu la a'lam. Part of knowledge, part of your knowledge is to say something. If you don't know it, to say I don't know. Because, and that shows you're knowledgeable. What are you knowledgeable about? If you say, I don't know. You're knowledgeable that you don't, you know that you don't know. And also, you're knowledgeable about the, the punishment of Allah. You know that this is a serious matter. A person who's not knowledgeable, he doesn't know how serious it is. He's, he's jahil. It's not that bad. Yeah, I think it might be halal. It's alright. But he's jahil because he doesn't know how serious this matter is. Like, in part of knowledge is to know how serious this matter is. So therefore, that holds you and it makes you hold back. And you say, Allahu alam, I don't know. Imam Ahmad memorized one million hadith, one million. When I say hadith, we mean ten chain of narrations for one hadith for the Prophet One million of them from the Prophet The speech of the companions and the speech of the tabi'een. One million. And when something, he would, he would be asked a question. And he would say, I don't know. They ask him, why does he say I don't know a lot? He says, because he knows there's a difference of opinion and he's scared to speak about it. Imam Ahmad, rahmahullah. Once the they say, Man qala la adri Man qala la adri Oh, sorry, he said, لا أدري نصف العلم I don't, Saying I don't know is half of knowledge Saying I don't know is half of knowledge And he says, whoever does not say I don't know Then he's being shot from far And he's being shot from a place that is, is going to kill him 
if he doesn't say I don't know, he doesn't know how to say I don't know. Someone asks him a question, he has to find an answer, like at least give him an answer, like, um, uh, yeah, it's probably halal, I think so, because the hadith, you know, the hadith that I read in English one day, <laughs> it's probably halal. You know, you understand? And because he doesn't want to seem ignorant. Or someone, or sometimes you're put in a worse situation, your family. Say, oh, this halal haram? You say, I don't know. You say, what? You go into the class every week and you don't know still. What's wrong with you? And then you start, saying, no, 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 it's halal. No, I know. No. Say, I don't know. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. The deen of Allah, Allah, Allah is bigger than the family or that person who's looking at you in a certain way. Don't be scared. And Sheikh, one of the mashayikh of Medina, his name is Amir Bahjat, he said that a per- the first thing that a person of knowledge, if you, a person who's coming out to teach, first thing that you need to master, what should you master, is to say, I don't know. How easy can you say, I don't know? Is it easy for someone asking you, I don't know? Is it easy for you? If it's not easy for you, then you're not ready to teach. Hmm? So be careful about speaking about the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without knowledge. I don't know how that came up, but Allah alam, we'll stop there. وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين. Take questions. الحمد لله رب العالمين.